The content in this program is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any information or other material as investment, financial, tax, or other advice. The views expressed by the participants are solely their own. A participant may have taken or recommended any investment position discussed, but may close such position or alter its recommendation at any time without notice. Nothing contained in this program constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments in any jurisdiction. Please consult your own investment or financial advisor for advice related to all investment decisions. Don't forget to follow at Lead Lag Report on Twitter to join these conversations live and check out the Lead Lag Report at www.leadlagreport.com. Use promo code PODCAST30 for two weeks free and 30% off to get access to award-winning research and anticipate stock market crashes, corrections, and bear markets. And now, on to our Lead Lag Live discussion hosted by Michael Guyon. Hey, everybody. Another impromptu live market chat, separate from the spaces that I try to run. I've been circling back the prior guests that I enjoyed talking to. And I figured, let's go to Michael Noss and do this visually through this quick 20, 25 minute conversation. So, Mike, welcome. I'm glad we can do this real quick. I know last time we talked, you got into your background with systematic trading. I figured one direction maybe we can go with this impromptu conversation is the discussion around which saws from the standpoint of being systematic, right? Yeah. So maybe just for those that are tuning in, either on LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, on your accounts or online, explain what systematic trading is and explain what a whipsaw is. Yeah, so I always look at uh, trading on a some sort of a spectrum, right? There's the pure discretionary side of things, 100%, sits down every day, reads the news, hammers through some charts, comes up with a thesis or an idea, and then just places their trades or places their bets based off of those. Then there's the pure systematic. And as someone who spent, you know, 10 years in hedge fund admin, where, you know, I did a lot of the back end and helped the back end work for a lot of different hedge funds. Those are the, you know, pure black box. You'll never know what they're doing next. They basically have a, a, if this, then this, and it just plugs in and away it goes. And all traders, I would argue, exist on some type of that spectrum, right? Regardless of where you think you are, you're somewhere in that, in that box. So myself, what I try to do is I do, you know, mostly systematic. And then because I have some flexibility as a discretionary trader is if I see something occurring, a major event or, you know, pandemic or something like that, sometimes popping in and, and hitting the button. Now myself as a systematic trend follower, whipsaws are kind of my arch nemesis. And that's what we've been dealing with for the past year. So. You know, trend following in its core works well when markets are going up, when you're in bull markets or when you're in bear markets, even, you know, 2020 or yeah, 2020 with the pandemic, we had 2018 with the interest rates and all that kind of stuff. And in 2008, the great financial collapse, all these systems generally worked because you had either good markets or bad markets. The last few years is what I would describe as a whipsaw. And if you just, you know, take a chart of the spy or take a chart of the queue or something, we stopped going down. The lows was October and, you know, we're not quite yet to new highs on the queues and we're just kind of breaking out of that range on the spy. So you've had, you know, 18 months plus of just up and down. And that creates a very hard time for 
you know, the kind of systematic trader. And that's actually where I think the, a lot of the trials and tribulations come from. The ability to stick to a system, even when it's not very fun, right? It's very easy to stick to a system when, when markets are doing phenomenally, when, you know, either it's going up or it's going down. But it's the, you know, the death by a thousand cuts, I think is the main thing that this, the whipsaw causes for us trend following guys. Yeah. Excellent. I, I'm glad you, you framed it in that way, the death by a thousand cuts, because it's very easy for somebody to to draw a trend line and say, oh, well, you know, you crossed the moving average, but it was a false signal, but the trend is still intact. Yeah, but in that false signal, you're trading in the false signal. And if you have enough of those over time, yeah, it, to your point about death by a thousand cuts, that's what causes an erosion of your equity curve, right? I mean, I've lived through this. I always go back to this idea that anything that's active and tactical, the equivalent of idiosyncratic risk, when you're active and tactical is the whipsaw risk because that's specific to the signal and the cycle. Now, if you were to look at the NASDAQ, like I'm showing on other screen here as we're streaming, doesn't look like too many whipsaws, at least really since yeah, the start of the year, right? Largely up into the right, largely because of the AI network. Yeah. You look at small caps, right? As we know, in breaths, here's the small to large cap range. I mean, this is whipsaw. Yeah, you can argue it's consolidating, but these are some pretty big relative swings, right? That are happening. So when you're in these periods like this, if you're trying to play small caps, you see that there's upward potential because you're at the COVID crash level relative to large caps. What do you do? Do you try to wait for some kind of confirmation, some kind of persistence of our performance? I mean, I can make the same argument about emerging markets. Emerging markets have been the poster child against the S. It looked like plenty of relative momentum triggers yeah. that kicked in and then it falls apart. Well, I think the issue and I think kind of what you have to do again, it, depending on where on the spectrum that discretionary to systematic you exist. But if you want to be systematic, you have to be systematic through the down times as well. And then, you know, there's a little bit of faith that at some point the market's going to make up its mind and keeping losses small at go. And that's not a, you know, satisfying answer to most, but this is why I really encourage things like, backtesting and recording statistics and running your stats because, you know, it's very easy to look at, a say, a 20% drawdown and then wonder if everything you're doing is wrong or a 30% draw, you know, oh, am I, you know, am I not a good trader? Is my system broken or whatever? But if you can go back in time and you can see how your system performed in, you know, 2008 and 2020 and all of these bear markets throughout, and if it performs similarly, it gives you a little bit of that confidence of, okay, Right. You know, there, there are periods of time where trend following sucks, right? There's periods of time where the market has no direction where it's range bound. And there's periods of time where trend following is amazing. And the issue that I find that a lot of traders have, and in my work with trade ideas, we build scanning and algorithms and all this kind of stuff. A lot of people, they system hop and they system hop at, at like the worst possible times. It's right. I am going to dump, you know, my trend following system. If you dumped your trend following system this year, then, right, and you're now you're a revision to the mean trader, you're shorting NVIDIA, you're like a lot of these things are really hurting for you. If you're, if you stuck through it, then that's great. You know, now we're out the other side and things look like they're going to be okay for now again. But you, you really just have to stick with your system. And, you know, I don't think I would argue that, you know, you have to have a back tested system, that system has to work. But I would argue that no one has a system that works all the time. And, uh, you know, if you're finding anyone who says they they do, just run. There was, there was one guy, his name was Madoff, who had a system that worked <laughs> all. No, but really, it, it, it's an important point. It's like everything has cycles. 
right? Whether it's buy and hold, active, anomalies have cycles, right? The anomalies that are identified that then get arbitraged away and then suddenly because it's arbitraged away, there's less money chasing the anomaly that then brings the anomaly back, right? So it's like, I think your point is really important and missed by a lot of people that it drives me crazy when people say, listen, when, if I find that my strategy is not working, I change strategies. It's like, that doesn't make sense. So you're telling me you have the perfect strategy because you're constantly looking for the best strategy, which is based on the past, which is not indicative of future results necessarily, right? So I, I get it, right? There's this human desire to want to find the holy grail. But it doesn't exist. But the closest you can get to a holy grail is consistency, even when the broader environment for a moment in time doesn't really favor your approach. We'll be back after a quick break. Hello, listeners. Michael Guyad here from Lead Lag Live. Are you ready to take a deep dive into market trends, risk management, and investment strategies? Then you need the Lead Lag Report. Our in-depth analysis helps you understand the financial markets like never before. And guess what? We're giving you a chance to experience it at a discounted rate. Visit theleadlag.report slash leadlaglive and get an exclusive 30% off on your subscription. Don't miss out. Level up your investment game with the Lead Lag Report. And now, back to our discussion. Well, and it's, yeah, it's time is everything, right? I always, the example I give to the people that I talk to that system hop a lot, is it's like a diet, right? If I sit you down, I say, hey, I got to lose 20 pounds. I'm like, okay, you're going to eat this. You're going to go to the gyms these time. And then, you know, you do that for two or three weeks and you go, screw, it's not working. I'm going to go back. You're at the worst possible time you've jumped system. Now, you know, I, I, I'll always argue system diversification makes sense. But if that's a plan from the start, if you have a intraday system and a swing system and an investing system, that makes sense to me. But yeah, you have to stick through those and you have to continue to compare those stats to what you have in your back desk and say, you know, this is normal. And even if it's not normal, it has to be normal within a certain bounds, right? You know, the, the market, as you said, is just not, nothing works forever. But as soon as something becomes out of favor, it goes back in. And we thought, you know, anyone who'd been trading 2020 know that it seemed like in 2020, you could buy anything and you'd make a bunch of money on it. Find anything, any company that didn't make money that was unprofitable, buy it when it hits new highs and you're going to make money. And that was an amazing year for it. When, you know, now we may be going into that again. It seems like you buy anything with AI in the ticker and, you know, you buy it and you're going to make money. And eventually that's going to come crashing down. And as long as you have that ability to ride those trends when they exist and then, you know, step to the side and do something else when they don't, that should be in your system. They just need to make sure that that exists and that you're there and you're ready and you got your capital good to go for the next bubble, if you want to call it, right? Because there will be something down the road, right? So, so to that end, not that it's necessarily a bubble, but this relates, I think, directly to this whipsaw discussion, which is to say that the last you know, six months and arguably, arguably the last 10 years with the exception of 2017 and 2020, it has been a world where you are less likely to get whipsawed playing large caps, the S&P, than playing anything outside of large caps because large caps, the S&P, has been really the only game in town, right? And that's driven by the fang phenomenon. We all know this dynamic that happened last decade, which, again, has been a pain point because if you're actively and tactically trading around small caps in the emerging markets, if you're not first, you're last right? in the way the markets have been. So 
do you get a sense that if you're going to actively and tactically trade, your opportunity set should just be limited to large caps because the last decade there's been less whipsaw potential there? Or will we at some point, I hope in my lifetime, see a, a cycle where you have multi-year strength outside of large caps, which means more potential to get persistent strength? Persistent, I think, is the key word there, right? Because when, you know, especially with a lot of these small caps, when it comes to, and I think the AI craze is, is a perfect example here because you had these, you know, everyone played with chat GPT and said, this is great. And then started to try to pick all these little guys who were going to, oh, this one's going to make it and this one's going to beat this one. And now it looks like, you know, what's inevitable is that the big guys are just going to win, right? They're either going to buy the little ones up that have the best thing or Google's, you know, going to put its bard right on the front screen where everyone can see it and everyone's just going to use that. So I, w- I like you, like and anyone who should be pro-capitalism, you want to see as much competition, right? I see you over there on threads. You're a little bit more, uh, you're a little more chill over there than Twitter for sure. And I just love seeing the competition. So I wish that was going to be the case. I don't know if it's AI that's going to do it because I think it's just too easy for Google to either copy that technology or buy the company for next to nothing and move on. And it's unfortunate. I don't know, right? I'm Canadian, so I don't know what regulatory framework breaks that up. But I really think that if you're looking for persistent growth, you've got to stick with the bigger names for now. Yeah, And that's the challenge, right? It's like, yeah, I put my CFA charter hat on, right? Charter holder hat on, right? And it's like, asset allocation is the key to everything. And the only way you really beat the market or the average is to choose the right average. Let's go back to the discussion around historically, how do you, how do you beat the S&P? You either tilt small or you tilt international. And again, both have not really worked at all in any persistent way. How do you, if that's the framework, if it's, you can't beat them, join them because that's what the cycle favors. Yeah. It's part of you then, then goes to, well, then why even bother trading at all? Just do buy and hold on large apps because everyone's in the same trade, which means a systemic risk if it starts going down heavily. So now you're in this kind of world where the Fed is going to prevent the whipsaws in large caps because so many people are invested in large caps. Well, I think it's a the two things that I think really help if this world is going to continue is one is relative strength, right? So, you know, I heard a lot of people complaining. And if you listen to JC at all, he won't shut up about this, but it's only five stocks pushing up the market. And for a while there it was. So by concentrating in relative strength, I think that's a way to get that outperformance because, you know, a lot of people, they're right. It's mostly, it looks like there's a little bit of breath catch up happening now, but it's mostly been the big names. So if you're overweight, those big names, that's going to certainly help it out. And then it, it comes into that strategy diversification that I was talking about as well. There's even though there's not sustained growth in some of these smaller names, if you lower your time horizon a little bit, you can get a little bit of alpha out of that as well. So I think the diversification there, but if you're just sticking with the big caps, I just think you need to look at the top quartile based off of, you know, prior months return or prior years return or however it is relative to the S&P 500, however you gauge that relative strength. And you just have to go with that because you know, as we're seeing with a lot of these things, these trends can go way longer than most people would deem as this is rational, right? I don't think anyone's looking, you know, it, I don't have a CFA hat, but if I did and I put it on, I looked at NVIDIA, there's no way this company's worth this, but it's just going to continue to go as long as this bubble continues to inflate. 
And then at some point, that relative strength is going to switch. And, and I don't know, maybe you'll see Coca-Cola or something take over. So that's one focus that I always have is relative strength because my work with institutions just showed me it takes them a long time to plow in and to plow out of position. So you can have these more sustained trends on a, a relative nature. No, this really, sorry, you mentioned the, the threads persona being different than the Twitter, persona, right? So it's like, I put on, uh, I did this first. I, I said on Twitter yesterday, I said, uh, the Nasdaq's fucked, right? And then on thread, they said, well, no, actually, the Nasdaq's in trouble. I didn't use the F. And right. it's, I, it is interesting, right? Because your point is very consistent with the way that I think about things in the sense that when I say NVIDIA is fucked, right? I have no position. I could care less because it doesn't affect me directly in any way, shape, or form. But to your point about things can last for a while, right? Sure, it can go up another 10, 15, 20, even 50%. I don't have a clue, right? That's why I always say, you know, just because you are negative on the stock doesn't mean you should short it. Talk about whipsaw risk. That's not even death by a thousand cuts. That's a cleaver. Well, and it's always that way, right? And bubbles are fantastic for those of us who have the time to be around and do daily analysis and watch the market. So if you're not that, avoid bubbles entirely. Or people who don't have the ability to cut and run, right? And if you get, you know, if you're thinking AI is the way to go and NVIDIA is the way to go and I'm going to buy this and ride it forever, there's probably going to be a come a time where you're going to get cut in half uh, with something like this. But you're right, just because you're bearish on something doesn't mean, like shorting is a very hard game. So you can get killed if you're shorting stuff like this because you know, the market can remain rational longer than you can remain solvent. You know, yeah, NVIDIA could double. It doesn't mean that it's, that's the underlying value of it. But again, that's why I think trends work is because there's always a mania one way or the other. Everything is always like everyone, I would say, you're just sentiment checks on Twitter and this kind of stuff. I think everyone's a little bit too comfortable right now, but I don't know how long that comfort can kind of push us. And then if you go back to October, the world was ending, right? So everyone's too low when things are bad and they're too high when things are good. And it's our job as traders to to ride that trend and then have a have an out and say, okay, people are getting a little bit too nuts now. It's time to take some of my chips off the table. Yeah, listen, you know, the overbought can stay overbought. I mean, they know the people now just it's just social media. You know, they thought I was a permable October last year when I said the end of the world is the hand. That's why it stops right that melt. And then they now they think I'm a permable bear because I'm I'm saying you know this is getting to be you know frothing from a lot of different perspectives. And funny, yeah, I just want to sign up. I'd already, I've actually been rolling the melt up this year because the reality is most things, it's again, it's, it, there's been a lot of dispersion, right? With yeah. concentration of stocks and most stocks have participated in the pre-election year kind of roadmap. But it is just because everyone's optimistic and just because you may ultimately be right being contrarian doesn't mean you can't play the long side. All that means is you have to be very quick if you're discretionary or very systematic, independent of what's going on with your views for what comes next, right? I think that's sort of where it's being missed. You don't have to be a permabull or permabear. You just have to identify that we're in an environment where there's a lot of people who are very optimistic, very bullish suddenly. The bears have basically died, right, in this move this year. But that doesn't mean that you, if you are bearish to be contrarian, should necessarily act on it right here, right now. Well, yeah, and that's, so there's a, a couple things to touch on there. One is the overbought, oversold can remain. I, I wish... You know, I have my CMT or the textbooks are up there. I wish that was just one book was just these because people get, you know, I don't know if it's the 
YouTube videos or whatever, but they get, okay, so I buy when it's oversold and I sell when it's overbought. And as someone who runs the numbers and runs the back test, and that's what I do all day, it is complete and utter opposite, right? You, if you buy when things go, man, you can say we're lying. You can say bullshit. I know that's complete bullshit. Yeah, that's good. And then, yeah, the other thing was, I remember I've heard him on, I don't know if it was this or it was the spaces you had with Jason Shapiro. And he's a really good example of this. I was, I traveled to New York for a CMT thing recently, and I re-listened to his part of the Market Wizards. And he says the exact same thing, right? Just because everyone is, you know, the boat, everyone's on one side of the boat, and I think it's going to tip over. doesn't mean I just take a bet right there. I have to wait for that systematic to kind of move over to the other side. And that's how a lot of my strategies will look at it as well. They'll look at that overbought that you talked about in different indicators. Say, okay, we're outside the Bollinger Bands, the RSI overbought, all this kind of stuff. But then you need that trigger event. And for someone like Jason, it's I think it's when good news is reacted to poorly or bad news is reacted to well. It could, if you're more of a price action guy like me, it could just be, you know, massive down day engulfing candle high volume something like that but yeah you need because you, you got to take those death by a thousand cuts right because yeah it sucks but if you don't and you take the death by the one big cut that's the one that you can never kind of come back from yeah i'm actually trying to i'm multitasking as for today so i could show that to the point really quick on that idea that when price is no longer responding i'm going to share my screen here but i made this point on a cpl the other day but it's interesting to me that so these are weekly bars on XLP divided by tech, the tech ETF divided by the S&P 500. Yep. Despite all the news around AI, right? And, you know, granted, it's more than just AI stocks at the XLP as other non-AI plays. But the relative strength against the S&P, it goes sideways. So that may be the first sign that we'll see, right? Who knows? That momentum, using your point of relative strength, may actually be stopping, despite the news still being very optimistic on AI. Exactly. Well, another thing to look at while you have that up is just RSP. Uh, over the equal weight. So for those who don't know, RSP is just the, the same stocks in both RSP and the SPY. The RSP is just equal weight and the SPY is cap weighted. So it's, it's basically saying when this is trending down, which you can see it was for you know most of 2023, that plummet just means just what people are saying. It's only a couple stocks that are pushing the market up. Now that this is turning, maybe this is the early signs that you know things are getting lifted up with it. Rotation would obviously be a good thing if you're bullish because rotation is the lifeblood of a bull market. You have to have, you can't have just one sector or a bunch of stocks hold the market up forever. At some point that gives way. So maybe things are starting to participate, but very early days on this. You can just see just on that weekly chart, just this week is the first time it's actually moving in the other direction. So that's not enough for me it's to say. Be, it's going to be whipsaw too. I mean, it's you, the thing they don't know. It could be less thing close back down. Exactly. And it's, so that's why I'd want to see a couple more weeks of, are we getting some other stuff? Now, you know, some encouraging things is I think it was XLI Industrials. We had an all-time weekly breakout on that. That's good. So that's starting to outperform a little bit. So th- there are some signs, but yeah, it's very early for this. So the only way I think that people right now, regardless of what you'll see on Twitter and all that are doing well, is if you are overweight these big names. And I certainly hope that doesn't exist that way forever. But, you know, that's the market we're in currently anyway. Yeah. And listen, it's been working. But yeah, yeah. keep going back to it's like it can continue to work. But the, then you've got more and more concentration, idiosyncratic risk and what's supposed to be a diversified best. That's where it gets to be interesting. And that's where to me it gets it gets scary because, you know, I 
I like to diversify mainly through strategies. I have, I have a series of strategies I run. And I get very worried when all of those strategies seem to be consolidated in the same stocks, right? So say I have a, a long-term breakout strategy and a short-term breakout strategy and then like a swing breakout strategy. When they're all in NVIDIA, I get worried, right? When they're all in Adobe is one that, that they're picking up right now. When they're all in these giant names, it means that the people who are running strategy diversification are kind of stuck in one boat. It means the people that are doing sector diversification, like even if you just own the spy, if those five names kind of fall apart for whatever reason, that's beyond me as someone who doesn't study macro, you can get in a lot of trouble, right? So it's a very dangerous market, which is just why I kind of encourage people, if you're going to be in it, you got to be quick. You got to be quick on your feet because something, something could change real quick. Speak about being quick and spaces, everybody should uh, click the notifications bell and make sure you, if you don't already follow Michael and us, make sure you do it. Click the notifications for him and for me on live video on Twitter. Since I'm hoping to do some of these, just like I said, impromptu, unscheduled, kind of a surprise and delight type of way of doing these conversations. These are cool. I like this. You yeah, it's a sure. right? And we'll, we'll wrap up on it. But to everybody that's here, and make sure you follow Mike. I'll probably keep on doing these periodically with different thought leaders. Get Mike back in here. And maybe do like a roundtable for these last three. So special thanks to Mike. Special thanks to everybody joining. And hopefully we will see you next time. The content in this program is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any information or other material as investment, financial, tax, or other advice. The views expressed by the participants are solely their own. A participant may have taken or recommended any investment position discussed, but may close such position or alter its recommendation at any time without notice. Nothing contained in this program constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments in any jurisdiction. Please consult your own investment or financial advisor for advice related to all investment decisions. Don't forget to follow at Lead Lag Report on X, Instagram, Threads, and YouTube, and check out the Lead Lag Report at www.leadlagreport.com. Use promo code PODCAST30 for two weeks free and 30% off to get access to award-winning research and anticipate stock market crashes, corrections, and bear markets.